What are you doing right now? Perhaps you're in the supermarket. Maybe you're on a run or on the commute. But wherever you are in the world, and whatever you're doing, right now you're also listening to my voice. This is the power of podcasts. The ability to communicate with your audience in an intimate and intentional way through audio. I'm B. Duncan, Senior Partnerships Producer at Intelligence Squared. We've been a world-leading forum for talks, debates and events for over two decades. And we also use our cutting-edge curation, creativity and editorial expertise to elevate your brand to new audiences with podcasting. Intrigued? To find out what we can do for your organisation, book into a free consultation with me today. Find out more by going to www.intelligencesquared.com forward slash partnerships. Hello and welcome to Versus, the podcast that finally settles the little debates that are always a big deal to someone. I'm Coco Khan and this week our someones are M. Wallbank and Trey Beecham, two super stands for which fan culture is a way of life. M. Wallbank is a TikTok creator and cosplayer whose impressions of characters ranging from Draco Malfoy to Wonder Woman have earned her over a million followers. And Trey Beecham has also amassed quite the following himself across Instagram and TikTok for his Harry Potter themed content. He's often dressed in Gryffindor robes and his content includes raps to Dumbledore in the style of Eminem. We're going into the fantasy and cosplay realm today as we debate Harry Potter versus Stranger Things. Woo! You've just launched a grenade. <laughs> as a Potter head, I would say, first of all, which fan base is larger? I'm going to say Harry Potter hands down. I mean, maybe it's up for debate. I, I don't think so. Stranger Things over the years has given us some of the greatest pop culture moments of all time. It's given us Steve's hair. I also just think that the hair alone in Stranger Things is a reason to make it better than Harry Potter. But remember, which juggernaut franchise comes out on top is up to you, the listeners. After each episode drops, we open up the polls for you to vote on our website. We'll announce the winner in next week's episode. Speaking of which, last week we debated 80s music versus 90s music with BBC Music Radio favourites Sean Keaveney and Matt Everett. You, the listeners, voted and the winner is the 80s. Congratulations, Sean Keaveney and commiserations to Matt. But menswear was still a great band. Okay, so it's back to Harry Potter versus Stranger Things and time for me to crunch the facts about what makes these two creations such magical fan favourites. It's time for another helping of Coco's Crunch. that sounds like a new breakfast cereal it is in fact the part of the show where i dig into the juiciest tidbits and leave no fact unchomped so let's crunch the facts about what makes harry potter and stranger things such fan favorites here are three delicious morsels on each one Harry Potter. He's been around for a quarter of a century, but Harry will forever remain the adolescent schoolboy wizard who across books, multiple films, a stage show, theme parks, computer games, and really any other highly lucrative cash-in you can think of has captured a couple of generations' hearts. The franchise has earned author J.K. Rowling a fortune, and the main cast of the film, Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint, presumably never have to work again. It's said that when Rowling first came up with the names for the Hogwarts school's famous houses, 
Witches, Gryffindor, Slytherin, Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff, the first thing to hand to write those now iconic words down on was the back of an airplane vomit bag. Magic! Now, as for Stranger Things, it's been creeping us out since 2016. The sci-fi horror show is set in the 1980s and it follows the journey of a ragtag gang of youths grappling with supernatural forces in the fictional town of Hawkins, Indiana. Stranger Things has made its 80s period setting something of a calling card with its own banging synth soundtrack and reminding the world of the genius of Kate Bush, whose song Running Up That Hill hit the number one spot around the globe after featuring heavily in the show. It's launched the career of actors such as Millie Bobby Brown. it's rebooted careers of old favourites such as Winona Ryder and it was also one of the first projects to truly cement Netflix as a place to find bold new drama. Coco's Crunch. So listeners, I know you're probably coming to us in the audio format, but you should see what I'm seeing. I'm very much feeling underdressed uh, because Em and Trey are both in costume. So Em, first question, who are you? I've gone for like the love child of Steve and Nancy because that is very much where I'm at. I think Nancy and Jonathan are an absolute write-off. Um, and I can't wait for them to bring back Stancy in season five. Uh, so that's where we're at right now. <laughs> okay, okay. So for our listeners, um, Em's gone for a conceptual look. I'm, I'm just happy that you went for a character that does not exist. <laughs> I just think that's like a level of deep dive fan culture that it's I really very respect very much. It's very on brand for me to just make <laughs> some shit up and oh, <laughs> to just make something up and up for the best. Well, of course, Trey is also dressed up. He was earlier in a shirt and tie, although now he's gone for Harry in his downtime look, which is, I'll, I'll let you explain, Trey. Yeah, so this is my, uh, this is my Harry in the common room look. This is my post-quidditch, okay. this is my post-quidditch attire. It's hot. Like I said, I'm in Texas. It's like 100 degrees at nine o'clock. Couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I put the robe on if you if you want it. But no, yeah. no, no. It's okay. It's okay. I should say for the listeners, you're in a hoodie. That's that's why you're in your post Quidditch moment. You it know, it does sound a little crazy that I said it's hot and I got out of robes and put on a hoodie. But the, <laughs> <laughs> but the simple fact is, I was struggling and I was like, I got to get out of that tie. And here we are. Okay, give it to me. Why is Harry Potter the ultimate universe? Well, for one, for, well, you said it. It's the ultimate universe. That's it right there. I mean, the reality is we talk about complex world building. Let me get serious for a second. Like I said, before my ADD kicks in, (laughs) world world building. So, I mean, you have your own currency. You have your own locations. You have your own mythology. You have created a whole world so outside of reality. But the kicker is in the Muggle world, you still included reality. So I think it's, it's such a challenge to create something embedded in something else and still be able to hold true to it without having those those plot holes and um, things that fans Did you can... describe reality as the muggle reality? Have I, I got that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The muggle reality. I would know. Nothing. <laughs> I would know nothing. I see. About I just wanted that. to check. <laughs> I would know nothing about that. But yeah, I mean, that's the big kicker. The reality is it's complex world building. It's something that for years on years on years, I mean, we're what, 12 years post the mm-hmm. final movie. And we're still learning things about this universe. So, I mean, it's it's ever-changing and the, the ebb and flow is just it's magnificent. All right, Em, um, let's get you in here. Why is Stranger Things the ultimate universe? Okay, so picture it. We're in 1980s, Hawkins, Indiana, right? Everything's going normal. And then all of a sudden, a little boy gets kidnapped off his bike. This could have happened in real life. 
it may have happened in real life. But did he get kidnapped by a big scary spider noodle man? No, he did not. And that is why Stranger Things is iconic because it takes so much from our real world and it is so close to our real world that it scares the crap out of everybody. And it's like, wow, that could have been me. <laughs> okay, so let me just just distill this in my mind. Both of you are saying that the reason your chosen topics are the best is because of its relationship to an actual reality. But M's saying it could have happened and Trey's saying it couldn't have happened. Are you sure? I mean, there is Eton. Isn't that Hogwarts? Well, here's the kicker. I just realized what M was talking that to me, Indiana's like up the road. And then Hogwarts <laughs> is closer to y'all. So I think the... Oh, I see. Can I ask you about the women in Stranger Things versus Harry Potter? When we were preparing for this, M made a note that the women in Stranger Things are much more empowered than in Harry Potter. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, M. Yeah, so obviously Hermione Granger, icon, but she's predictable. She ends up with the front man's best friend, Robin. Nancy, Eleven, Max, they're all well-developed female characters that all have their own personalities, they all have their own interests and they all have their own amazing plot lines. Like, season four of Stranger Things would not have happened if Max didn't have to cope with all the grief of Billy. Um, she was incredibly brave in sacrificing herself. Hermione Granger didn't do that. She flipped a necklace, didn't she? I can, I can do that. I'm going to do it right now. Watch. Oh. Flipped my necklace. I didn't turn back in time, but, you know, the principle's the same, isn't it? I'm not putting anybody at risk. Whereas Max really put herself on the line there. Come on, Trey. Come on. Let's let's bat for Harry. Really? The characters are two-dimensional? They don't speak to the complex realities of today? Really? No. You initially <laughs> asked that question, and I was... <laughs> You initially asked that question and I was going to backpedal gracefully out of this conversation. But the reality is Hermione Granger, let's talk future. Let's talk uh, Minister of Magic, right? A lot of value in Hermione in the future. Molly Weasley, powerful role model, figure, family head. I mean, there is a lot to me. There's a lot of empowerment in the series. The only downside is you're looking at teenagers most of the time. In Stranger Things, you are. I can't really speak to, obviously, a fictional world, but what I do know is that the 80s in America was a very empowering time for a lot of people. Coming right off the 70s, I mean, that was just the move for everyone. But I think that there is, I mean, there's a very strong, Bellatrix Lestrange. I mean, she is a very dynamic, very strong, albeit I don't necessarily agree with her belief system, but she was a strong character. I think there's a lot of very strong women figureheads in the Harry Potter series. Mm. Well, you mentioned there about like the 80s in America in real life being a time of great transformation. And I wanted to talk to you both because, I mean, M, you were not around in the 80s. I sadly was born in the 80s. So like those kind of early 90s years where we were still in the past, I recognize them. And so I watched Stranger Things and I enjoyed it because of nostalgia. And I wonder about that role of nostalgia. Like, you know, is that cheap? Is that easy? Em, I'd like to hear from you because actually you don't have any nostalgia to it, but it reminds you of something about the 80s that you like maybe? Or what is your yeah. relationship to the 80s that attracts you? So I grew up watching all like the great films directed by Steven Spielberg with John Williams scores. So Stranger Things pulls a lot on that. It pulls a lot on like the Stephen King references. And I think that's why it invokes a great sense of nostalgia amongst a lot of people. Because like, yeah, necessarily, mm. I didn't grow up in the 80s. I didn't even grow up in the 90s. I was born in 99. So I am like the fakest 90s baby that ever lived. <laughs> but because I grew up with the whole, with Back to the Future, with the Goonies, with Jaws, with E.T., 
you can see all that referencing and that referencing I think is what made Stranger Things so like compelling so so like engaging to watch because everybody could see something that they'd grown up with and like an aspect of that and don't get me wrong I will sit and binge watch Harry Potter until the cows come home but there's something so great of watching Stranger Things and picking out all those little easter eggs like oh that's a reference to this film that's a reference to this film that's an easter egg from this film this music was used in this film somewhere. Oh, Eleven's certain superpower here is a reference to this film. And as a self-confessed film nerd, that was one of the, my favourite things about watching Stranger Things was going through and picking out those little fine details that ju- they just make you feel giddy and like a kid again. That's so interesting to hear you say that because honestly, I thought you were going to say I was not aware of all those references and Easter eggs. And so I enjoyed it with fresh eyes. And that is why it's so fresh, because I think there is something to be said about nostalgia being a bit of a fickle mistress. Like on the one hand, we love it. But on the other hand, like, oh, God, stop living in the past. I mean, Trey, you're closer to me in age. We grew up as children with Harry Potter. Would you say the connection for the younger audience to Harry Potter today is still there? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I think outside of my strong opinions of certain Harry Potter aspects, Fantastic Beast, which is related to Harry Potter, um, has drawn in a lot of the younger crowd for it's like it's more colorful. It still introduces the world where people can go back and jump into Harry Potter if they feel like, hey, you know, I can't really relate to Harry Potter. But I think Harry Potter is for the ages. I mean, even even when we were introduced to Harry Potter, it was really set in the 90s, which was I was growing up in the 90s, but I wasn't in that time frame, although I was the same age as the characters. Um, so I felt that there was connectability, but I was more so connected to the storyline overall than just the, the time setting, uh, more so the world that was created. So I think that's why it's timeless. Em, I saw you sort of furrowing your brow there when uh, Trey was talking about Harry Potter not resonating with uh, children anymore. I wondered what if you had any thoughts on that. My face speaks volumes. For anybody that's listening to this, they're going to be so confused, but I'm so expressive. Um, I, I'm one of those really rare creatures. I came to Harry Potter and Stranger Things at a very, very similar time. I was oh, a very, interesting. I was a latecomer to Harry Potter. Um, I grew up thinking I was too cool for it because I was, <laughs> I was into Star Wars and I was into the sci-fi stuff. I, I didn't care about wizards and dragons. I wasn't bothered. But um, my mum got me into it. My mum made me watch all the films and it was not long before Stranger Things came out. So I came to them at a very, wow. very okay. similar time. That's interesting. So I was maybe, maybe 14, 15 when it all, okay. when everything sort of happened. And I remember feeling very differently about the two because Harry Potter, I couldn't relate to it in the slightest because it was a group of 11 year olds that were getting hunted down by a snake man. <laughs> Went to a magic school that was a posh school that was a million miles away from my little public school or whatever you call it nowadays. And then there were Stranger Things that was a little group of nerds that played games in the basement and liked dressing up, which is what I did. I was a theatre kid. And I could really speak to that. But I think what spoke to me with both of them is they're both just such interesting worlds to get lost in. And I love to, I I love watching the breakdowns. I love reading fan fiction. And you can get lost in both those worlds. The thing that got me with Stranger Things over Harry Potter, though, was that Stranger Things is actually based on what could potentially be a true story. And I think that's why 
it feels so much more realistic to me than what Harry Potter does is because a bunch of kids getting tested on in a lab and maybe having telekinetic powers could happen. A kid pointing a twig and shouting Expelliarmus, maybe not so much. I mean, I really hate to tell you that neither of those things could happen. We'll be back after this. So anyway, I'll I'll bring you guys back in. And the first question I wanted to ask, Trey, I'll start with you. What is it about young people in universes that lasts with you for a lifetime? Why is it always that kind of adolescent age? You just don't get the same effect when the characters are like 30, 40, 50, do you? No, you don't. And, and I think that comes from, I don't want to be too obvious, but I think it just comes from the struggles and the life changes, the emotional shifts. When you move from adolescence to adulthood, you deal with a lot of things and that you know, especially when it comes from Harry Potter, I tell people, you know, they say, hey, I've never seen Harry Potter and they're an adult. I say, hey, you might want to start from maybe Prisoner of Azkaban just to understand what's going on. I mean, there's no there's no Voldemort. I mean, well, there's, uh, yeah, it's no Voldy in that one. But it, it gives you a it gives you a reference because the first two movies are very magical. They're obviously made for the youth. Um, and I think that that could draw a disconnect. But you have this shift of hey, I've seen these young, innocent characters who start seeing death. They start seeing real life events and you watch them cope. You watch them strategize. You see character arts. I don't know if M is familiar with this character, but there's a character named Draco Malfoy who has a brilliant... Never Edwin. A brilliant... Has a brilliant character arc. Some would argue whether or not you could call it like, you know, a true redemption story. But I think that that's what people look for in life. We struggle with who we are. Um, a lot of people go through identity crisis. You know, um, we say, hey, if we've ever done something bad, can we redeem ourselves? Or I've always saw myself as this good person and all these things have happened to me. How can I how can I come out on top or overcome these obstacles? And I think that that's really um, from the Harry Potter world. I really think that that's why it resonates with the youth because it's it's just a it's a mirror. It's a reflection of themselves in the films. But Stranger Things has a redemption story, right, Em? It has these Stranger Things you know, has so many redemption stories, yeah. It also has a lot of like revenge stories as well, but we'll leave that for another day. Um, <laughs> Stranger Things, you literally see every single one of these kids, their first death, their first one of their friends potentially being abducted, they face alien life forces or what is seen to be otherworldly life forces. They're struggling with um, law enforcement and communicating with law enforcement, which is a problem that's still very real today in a lot of places. Like we've seen in recent years that the public's relationship with law enforcement isn't always a smooth one. And that's very much reflected in the first season with the fact that Hopper's so reluctant to believe anything that the kids say. He's even reluctant to believe some of the stuff that Winona Ryder says. And I mean, I think it's because she's tangled up in Christmas lies, but he should believe her. It's Winona Ryder. She's an icon. <laughs> I would. This... <laughs> There's so many redemption arcs in it. You've only got to look at Billy. Mm. He's pretty much sacrificing himself for the life of Eleven, which is a kid that he doesn't really know other than she's she's put her life on the line to save these other kids, which he, he isn't fully aware of. He's just moved to town that summer and he's got this annoying sister that he doesn't love, but he's still willing to put himself in the firing line for the better of humanity and you wouldn't know that from when he's trying to have an affair with Mike's mum um but it, we all grow we all change we can't all be Mrs Robinson Growth. like 
growth is at the heart of both of these. That is definitely very clear. And the fact that like, you know, both these shows have unbelievably de huge, dedicated fans. Which fan group is better, nicer, has the best culture, more accepting, more inviting, more creative? Trey, you first. <laughs> This is a. She just asked me a. a <laughs> You've just launched um, a grenade. <laughs> you, yeah. So, uh, as a Potterhead, how do I answer this? Uh, as a Potterhead, I would say first of all, which fan base is larger? I'm going to say Harry Potter hands down. Um, I don't even. I don't even think that's. I mean, maybe it's up for debate. I, I don't think so. But Harry Potter's been around much longer. I will absolutely give it that, just to be fair. Uh, when it comes to what fan base is more accepting, uh, I think that much like the rest of the world, I think the fan base is full of humans. And I think the fan base is a work in progress, just like all of us. Um, there are a lot of things that have caused, you know, rifts in the Harry Potter community. Um, but I think as a whole, when we're talking about Potterheads, um, I think it's a very strong fandom. I think there have been inside yet outside things that have affected relations within the Harry Potter community. But I think as a whole, I I've seen a lot of support in the community. I know when I started doing content, um, it was my goal to make I Am Black Harry because I didn't see the representation. I didn't see mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, I saw Dean Thomas. I saw Bim say, it's like trying to catch smoke. And then he turned to smoke because he never showed up in the rest of the series. And I'm like, when do I get to see myself in these roles? So it, to me, it was it's, it's the fact that the fandom is evolving. And because it is a fictional world, it can evolve. And, you know, Stranger Things, not just Stranger Things, but, you know, when we do take a chunk or a piece of time in reality, for me, I have to think about how was life for me at that time in reality, right? And the 80s isn't so crazy, but I think that that's why when when fandoms or shows go back further, like I watch Doctor Who and I'm like, ah, ah don't think I'd be there in reality if this was the 50s or whatever, because life wouldn't be the same for me. Um, but, but I do think it's a very strong fan base. I think it's still growing. Um, I think they find creative ways to, you know, keep the community motivated. And I think that the community knows how to self-motivate each other. And what about the Stranger Things fandom? What do they call themselves? Do they have a name? I know Potterheads. What are you if you love Stranger Things? I don't actually know. I feel like we should have a name. And if it's not something to do with Steve Harrington, it's a waste of time. Um, I think the Stranger Things fans have grown up in a world that is where there's a lot of conflict in the Potterhead community based on some things that have been said by certain people. I think Stranger Things have grown up with a bit of the benefit of the doubt and they've grown up in a lot more socially aware. So I think there's less conflict in the community, but it's also a smaller community. It's not got the same longevity that Harry Potter has got yet. And I also think that with that in mind, with it being produced in a time that is a little bit more aware of things going on socially, I think that is rooted in the show itself, in that there is a bit more diversity in the show, which is then carried out into the fandom. And the Potterhead community has has diversified itself, and it's such, it is such a magical, beautiful place to be when, when everybody's getting on. It's so lovely. But I do think that's where Stranger Things has got it made in the shade, really, because it, it has come from a time and a place that 
that is a little bit more sensitive to cultural topics and is a little bit more aware of of things that have been said by people and and what what we deem as no, acceptable is not the word but what we deem as like fair and kind to people nowadays which i think that's where may, maybe the fandom's a little bit kinder potentially maybe who knows <laughs> <laughs> okay all right well look i'm conscious of our time so we are going to have to wrap this up shortly but trey listen i will need to hear it just 10 seconds of rap please 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 i'm so glad she's asked you to rap because it could have ended up horrendously <laughs> if she asked me to do that <laughs> all right um I got one. <clears throat> At first, I thought I'd let the talking slide, but I think it's time for me to call the truth. Never seen you on the Quidditch pitch, and I ain't never seen you in the common room. Claim you know just how to work your wand, but let's see it now. Where's your follow through? No, you're not Black Harry for real. You just took a sip of that poly juice. Man, I was down with Dumbledore. Rest in peace. Nobody takes your place. Ones that roll with me expect loyalty. That's a shout out to Professor Snape. If he claims to be me again, I'm going to pop up on him like an apparate. How are you supposed to be the chosen one when I heard that you don't even talk to snakes? Man, I've been Gryffindor forever, finessing with Ron and Neville. You might have passed on your owl exam, but you were just not on my wizarding level. Trust me, you are not the man. They all know just who I am. My fam escaped from Azkaban. You saw Death Eaters and you ran. Where were you when we found the stone? Where were you in the chamber too? Where were you when Dementors came? That's the book. And we found out about Pettigrew. All right, I was trying to freestyle at the end, but I don't know. But oh yeah, that's God, just a little song. I was like, oh my, it's a bop. This is a bop. A, this, yeah, this. Give, me, give me a beat. Let's go. Yeah. How do you follow that? How do you follow that? I've, I've been reliably told that you do wonderful, best in show impressions. Which is hilarious because I don't know where the internet's got this idea because I don't think I can. <laughs> I think they're just trying to boost my ego. So this is what the internet thinks sounds like first year Draco, but was just me putting on a posh accent for a video once. Uh, <laughs> Hello, Potter. Hmm. Red hair on a hand-me-down robe. You must be a Weasley. <laughs> What's even worse is I've done it to Draco Malfoy's face and I really just did not know how, how he was going to take that. <laughs> <laughs> I winged it. I winged it. We do have just one more chance for each of you to take it. So again, Trey, let's start with you. Just give us a summary of why Harry Potter is the winner of this battle of fantasy fiction. Listen, people, if I haven't told you anything else, the reality is outside of Stranger Things and Elle's sporadic nosebleeds and Kate Bush has run up a hundred hills at this point, the, re <laughs> the reality is Harry Potter has created a universe that has embodied so much culture, even through a fictional setting. It's found a way to include what I call the muggle world to bring in enough realism that it's relatable, yet you can step in the real world, that you can step back into the magical world whenever you would like. And I think that the, the, you know, the character development, the mythology that's been created, the currency, the locations, I think that if you ever want to escape real life for a moment, it gives you a true escape. I am a big Stranger Things fan, but in my mind, it gives you an escape, but it gives you a piece of an escape because it is set so much in the realistic world. So when I truly want that mental break and I want to get away from whatever is bothering me and stressing me out, I know that I can turn on Harry Potter or read Harry Potter and I can truly just get away from whatever it is that I need a break from. And that 
is why Harry Potter is the best. Okay, great. Em, what have you got? Last last chance. Oh, well, I could just say the whole the whole Harry Potter argument would win if Draco Malfoy was the protagonist, but um he isn't, so I'm go- I'm going to break it down for you. All. Um <laughs> Stranger Things over the years has given us some of the greatest pop culture moments of all time. It's given us Winona Ryder chasing Christmas lights around the house. It's given us Chrissy wake up and the that's where I love Nestle Crunch and then Burns Crunching, which honestly I must rewatch about nine times a day. It's given us Eddie Munson playing Master of Puppets on top of a caravan whilst chasing bats. It's given us Gaten Maserato pulling his shoulder out, which is freaky but it's funny. It's given us Steve's hair and Steve's babysitting club. It has given us all of the 80s references that we could ever want because Steven Spielberg is a god and deserves to be celebrated in every way possible, as does many of the other creators that have inspired Stranger Things, John Williams being another one. I also just think that the hair alone in Stranger Things is a reason to make it better than Harry Potter. Have you ever seen that many mullets on screen before that weren't in Tiger King? No, you have not. Honestly, how does Steve Harrington get his hair that high? We, it remains a mystery know, to I us all. I need it. I need it. If I, were, if I had a mullet, it would look like Steve Harrington's. Well, thank you, M. Wilbank. Thank you, Trey Beecham. We will have to leave it there. One more reminder to you, our listeners, you decide. If you want to vote on whether Harry Potter or Stranger Things won this battle, then go to intelligencesquared.com or click the link in the podcast description to cast your vote. The poll is open and the winner will be announced in next week's episode. We would also love to hear from you on what life-defining fandoms we should debate next. Email any suggestions to verses at intelligencesquared.com or tweet us at intelligence too you've been listening to verses a podcast by intelligence squared i'm your host coco card this episode was produced and edited by tom hall the executive producer was farah Jassat, and thank you for listening what are you doing right now perhaps you're in the supermarket Maybe you're on a run or on the commute. But wherever you are in the world, and whatever you're doing, right now you're also listening to my voice. This is the power of podcasts. The ability to communicate with your audience in an intimate and intentional way through audio. I'm B. Duncan, Senior Partnerships Producer at Intelligence Squared. We've been a world-leading forum for talks, debates and events for over two decades. And we also use our cutting-edge curation, creativity and editorial expertise to elevate your brand to new audiences with podcasting. Intrigued? To find out what we can do for your organisation, book into a free consultation with me today. Find out more by going to www.intelligencesquared.com forward slash partnerships.